and we're back finally to continue our subtype series. I'm with my two co-hosts, Mario Sikora, Maria Jose, Unita, and their stentorian voices. Oh, good lord. Was, <laughs> what does that I, mean? I, stentorian <clears throat> means loud and powerful. Wow. She's loud and powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, wow. No. Uh, um, you're lucky that I'm yeah, in no, a good mood And that we're doing this, you know, audio and not in person, right? We're yeah, doing yes. it virtually. Yeah. Exactly. So we're diving into the subtype of the five. And if you haven't gone back and listened to all the subtypes we've done so far, definitely do that. Go back and look at the instinctual biases that we covered, as well as um, the the type episode on the five. Those are all really great pre-listens to this one. Um, or you can just listen to this one and we'll we'll explain things as we go. So what do you tell us? <laughs> what can you tell us about um, the the common misunderstandings about the subtype to the five. So I think there's a lot, um, and um, <laughs> yeah. So 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 let's back it up a little bit, right? So the five we call striving to feel detached. And so you will answer whatever you want, not <laughs> well, we, right? we we know how we know how this works by <laughs> yeah. this point, right? So I think we're closing in on our fiftieth episode. So yeah. uh, uh, so. <laughs> so the five is striving to feel detached and. Very often, the five is thought about in terms of wanting to gather knowledge, wanting to have insights, wanting to be smart, etc. And that's common among fives, but it's not the core motivator. That's a secondary motivation very often or a secondary outcome. It's really about how do I create some emotional buffer between myself and the world. Now, as, as fives use that strategy to meet their instinctual needs you get a very specific relationship. And uh, so with the preserving five, you get this like kind of the stereotype of the five, right? You get this, you know, double held back sort of personality. With the transmitting five, you get this conflicting personality, this person that looks almost like two people because one of them is very outgoing and talkative and the other is more reserved. And the navigating five, in my mind, they just, often look like nines, right? Because they're, hmm. again, detached but connected at the same time. And they have this certain coolness or even aloofness at times that we can mistake for nines. So it's really, again, this shows why understanding the instinctual biases is so important hmm. because it falls, it keeps us from falling into these stereotypes of the five, whatever our stereotype of the five might be. Do you want to yeah. answer the question? I will answer question? your question. Yeah, Maria, I will answer thank you. you. Go ahead. Maria Jose. I'm done saying so, what I have to say. So go ahead, Maria. So you answer the question. The first thing that comes to mind is that, I mean, I think there are two things. One is that fives are less sensitive. They do not feel or they are not affected by certain things emotionally. And I think that they are so sensitive that they need this buffer. They need to detach in order not to feel overwhelmed by reality, by life, by, by the things that happen around them. The other misunderstanding about fives is that, oh, that they're, um, that they are not generous, that they're, um, 
stingy or that they are um, they do not want to share. I think that they have these narrative in their heads that they don't have enough. And, and that's probably the preserving five. But in thinking general, there's something about personal resources that the, that they feel they do not want to use or that they don't have, so they cannot afford sharing them. Mm. And it's not that they don't want to share because they are they want to keep it for themselves or just they don't they feel that they don't have enough. To me, those two, besides what Mara said about not all of them wanting to be experts or gather knowledge, these knowledge they want to gather is a way in which they understand the world so that they can detach from it. It's a a strategy to create that buffer. If I understand it, if I can model it, if I can create a map of the situation, a model of the situation, I will better deal with it without feeling overwhelmed. Like not have to engage it as messily. Like there's some degree of distance I can keep from it when it's a clean system. Yeah. I think it's important to point out that the stinginess that gets talked about related to fives is a stinginess about their own sort of internal resources. Yeah. Uh, It's, there's not enough of me to go around, Mm. right? Uh, You know, I only have so much energy that I can expel, so I want to hold on to it. Uh, to Maria Jose's point, it's not like they're selfish or greedy or anything like that around material possessions. Some are, of course. Some people of all types are. But it's it's more related to I'm holding on to me. Yeah, it's sharing myself that yeah. it's a concern. I agree of truth to that. I mean, I feel that, of course. Like there's there is only so much energy. There is only so much of me that can go around. Um What's what's different from a five's perspective that isn't just normal human capacity? Well, I think as it is with all the types, it's just amplified in that type, right? I mean, we, we can look at any of the types and find a particular characteristic and say, yes, everybody feels that. And yes, yeah, sure you do, but this type feels it the most. Now, other types, you know, you're a four, so you're going to feel more of that, certainly than I do, okay? So now eventually I reach a point where it's like, okay, enough's enough, but my threshold is much higher than most of the other types would be, as it is for most eights. Yeah, so there are different thresholds, and I think that every type has also a different angle of these personal, to these personal resources. Yeah, so to me, when I feel like uh, I'm reaching that threshold, there's usually a, a, a thought about being, I don't know, abused or people taking advantage of me and my efforts and things like that. So it's, it, it probably doesn't feel the same way for every type. I think the point that Maria Jose made a few minutes ago is really worth emphasizing about the sensitivity of fives. Because like she said, there's this myth that they're insensitive, that they don't feel. But the truth is, is that they feel overwhelmed more easily. 
Mm. right? They can be more sensitive to stimulation. They can be more sensitive to environmental impacts. And therefore, they have to create this buffer, mm. right? So a lot of what looks like stinginess or holding on to myself is it's kind of self-protection. Would it be true, at least for me, like I feel like I have a higher burn rate of energy. Maybe maybe I wake up with the same amount of energy, but the burn rate of what, what a small interaction does is taking more out of me than it would my mother, for instance, no. who's a two. We're wired differently, right? This is one of the things the Enneagram tells us, right? Is that we're wired differently and we have different sensitivities and different capacities. And, you know, twos have a higher capacity for interaction with others. Navigating twos in particular have a high capacity for interacting with others. Uh, whereas the preserving two will have less of it mm. than a navigating two will. And mm -hmm. with the transmitting two, it, it sort of runs hotter and more intense, and the switch goes on and off more. So all of these things are, are factors that shape the way our affect ex expresses itself. Mm -hmm. So as we're talking about the preserving five, this would be one that would have uh, a lot more sensitivity around the energy. Absolutely, right? So that they're, they're preserving, okay, which literally means holding on to things, holding on to my resources, mm -hmm. holding on to the way things are, uh, ho holding on to the status quo. Yeah, and it's detached preserving. Yes. So when you think about it that way, it's, it's like the formula. And for every subtype, it works the same way. And I don't know, I have preserving fives in my life. And there are things like, I don't know, automatic payment of bills and living in a safe place so I don't have to worry about it and or buying certain supplies so it doesn't become an issue. So how do I detach from the preserving things that might be a burden, you know, mm -hmm. and, and everything makes sense. So I might do things that other subtypes do as well. But in this case, the goal is to create this buffer to, to be able to detach for the things that are important to me in this domain, in the preserving domain. That, that, that's a good way of thinking about it is there's this sort of automation or a, minim, uh, a, minim, uh, a minimalism is the word I'm looking for here, right? And But ironically, it can also be paired with a tendency to hoard, right? So yeah. you, in, in preserving fives, you can see either the extreme of minimalism, you know, I only, I only need two pair of pants, right? Because, you know, I wear them and wash them and, we, you know, whatever. They can last for 20 years. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then there can be this collecting of, you know, I got eight years worth of newspapers piled up on, you know, in, in, in my living room. Uh, so, again, both of those things serve detached preserving but in almost opposite ways, right? So it can be really uh, confusing to people. There's this, mm. uh, there can be this excessive, again, holding on to things and this letting go of things that don't seem to matter. I could, I could see how that uh, on the surface could look like an indifference towards preserving. Yes. Yeah, say more. 
I could see how it could look like, mm-hmm. a, like indifference. Um, uh, yeah. So, so just, just, here, just, here I give you ahead. a chance to talk some more, Creek, and you got nothing to say, man. Yeah, Come okay. on, step it up. <laughs> no, I, I just mean just the examples you're giving make yeah. make me think like, oh, I would I would think that that's more in the indifferent zone of indifference, where it's just I don't really care about um, right. uh, these pants necessarily right i'm just gonna keep wearing them because they're the thing that i have and i don't want to have to spend money blah 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 but it's actually in the i guess in the preserving of those yeah yeah and i don't want to worry about it i don't want to spend resources not just the money go to the mall and get a new pair and think about what size or what color or like it's an effort and it is uh, um some way to use my resources that i want to avoid yeah, or, or like the automating of bills, to me is like a that's something I would do because <laughs> I just like I don't want to have to think about it. Do you do it? Yeah, yeah. I don't on purpose. Okay, so that's the thing. I don't care as much, and the way in which it shows is that if I if somebody else is not doing it for me, I might not pay the bills because I just forget about it. Mm-hmm. So it's that's the way in which I just I don't care, but in this case it's taken care of in a way that I don't, I don't have to think much about it. Mm. Yeah, and I think we want to be careful about identifying any particular behavior yeah. as representative of what's going on because some people automate it so that yeah I can put it out of my mind I don't have to think about it anymore others say well it's just the most efficient thing to do and it makes the most sense and you know it's the most structured and so there are people of all the subtypes that will automate bills and who won't automate bills right but it's the why right what's the drive Mm -hmm. behind it because we can solve and this is really important to understand we can solve problems in multiple ways And what the instinctual bias points to is what problem I want to solve. The strategy points to what's my style for solving that problem. But again, we can do it different ways, right? So some people handle their navigating needs by limiting the people that they interact with. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, some preservers, you know, uh, minimize their preserving needs by minimizing the things that they have to deal with. I want fewer things in my house because it helps me satisfy that preserving need, whereas others can be maximalists, right? And say, no, I want one of everything or two of everything. So Mm. feeds the same need, but a different behavior. And that's why we always have to be careful and look at that. For sure. Yeah, Having routines and schedule, um, kind of regular schedules is also a way to minimize that uh, use of the en- their energy and a way to detach. I don't want to. I don't need to think every time about what I'm going to eat, for example, or at what time I'm going to go to bed. It's just fixed or more fixed than maybe with other subtypes, um, and that helps them to detach from that area, but still care about it. Yeah. There's this tendency that you know it's big in Silicon Valley these days to you know wear the same things every day. Right to you know, uh, you know, I have twelve of the same shirts and twelve of the same trousers and twelve of the same sneakers, and this reduces my cognitive load in having to make decisions. 
Okay. So I don't have to get up and think about what am I going to wear today. I just go and I grab a shirt. Now, again, not everybody who does that is a five or a preserving five, but it does speak to that, you know, of consistency, repetition in a way that reduces how much energy I have to put into this. Mm, So the thing to uh, other things to know about the preserving five is that, um, they they have the flattest affect, right? So this, again, is kind of the stereotypical five. They're not particularly expressive people very often. They uh, tend to be more quiet, more reserved, and they can seem very unapproachable. They can seem like they're not friendly even when they are, right? So there can be kind of this social awkwardness for them because people are uncomfortable approaching them because they give off this message of being uncomfortable when they're approached and it leads to them not having as many social interactions as other people might. Now again, that this is uh, these are common but not exclusive because there are preserving fives out there who are salespeople, right? And go out and you know do that for a living. So Yeah, um, and when you're interacting with them, you're part of their circle, they can be warm and uh, interact pretty much like anyone else would do would do it. It's it, it's usually people have this image of like being awkward all the time, and it's not like that. Yeah, I, I find it uh, to your point, Maria Jose, that once you establish a connection, they really loosen up, you know, and, and yeah. for the most part, and they feel quite comfortable. Yeah, they're also hard it, to read. Mm. People have a hard time understanding where they're coming from, what they want, what they feel, and that can create problems, especially at work. That's not just a preserving five thing. That that feels like a, a general trait for fives overall. It's it's most extreme with the preserving five. And yeah. you're right. It, it you know, all fives and people of other types have this same characteristic at times, but it's most extreme with the preserving five. Mm-hmm. It really is the preserving five is the stereotypical sort of flat affect, you know, quiet, reserved kind of five. With the the pattern of expression, what we see is the zone of inner conflict is in the navigating domain. Right? So they, they want to connect with people, but they feel awkward about it. They feel uncomfortable. And what they don't want to do is transmit. There's just this thing in them that doesn't really want to draw attention to themselves. They're not peacocks. Yeah, what I've seen as well regarding the pattern of expression is that navigating the zone of inner conflict, it's I avoid the having to reach out. But I enjoy the trying to understand the the relationships, the relational dynamics of the group. So it's a more intellectual effort that I that they enjoy. So if one of our listeners is a preserving five and they they want to get better at developing that skill of being friendly, reaching out, what's your what's your suggestion? It's usually to plan it right, to, to make a process out of it. And it's to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to put together a plan for connecting to people. I'm going to talk to X number of people a day. Uh, here's my list of talking points or conversation topics, right? But to, and, and this applies to almost everybody, to almost everything that we want to do, right? We just have to get into the habit of being conscious about it as we learn the skill until it becomes more natural to us. 
And so for fives, they just need to, the preserving five who wants to get more skilled at interacting with people, put a plan together for doing it. Yeah, and for most people who are hard to read, it's really important that they explain themselves better, that they reach out to people and share why they're doing what they're doing, what they're thinking, what's behind it, because people will usually misinterpret those things because they're hard to read. So it applies not only to preserving fives, but it includes preserving fives. So if they think they're over-communicating, they probably need to communicate more. Usually. One of the challenges with fives, and I think this applies to preserving fives as well as the other two, is that once they start talking, they can really talk. Um, th- sure. th- this is most with tr- with transmitting fives. But I think what's important for preserving fives here is to ensure a give and take in the conversation, right? So yes, you have to sort of strategize it out, but then also making sure that you're, you know, uh, getting data back from the other person and processing that data and having some empathy toward it. Yeah, what I've seen in some preserving fives is that their tendency to talk uh, is a lot around preserving things. And if they, I don't know, find this new diet or sleeping aids or, I don't know, health things, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they can know everything about it. So, so if you're trying to, pre- to, uh, to befriend a preserving five, find, find that thing and get them, get them talking about it. There's, there's that part of it. The, the, the advice I always give is imagine trying to feed a squirrel at the park. Uh, that, you know, you can't sort of chase it and say, here, you know, take this nut. Um, you, you, know, you have to kind of gently hold out, <laughs> hold it out and entice the squirrel towards you. Right? What an image. <laughs> I just see Mario running at top speed. <laughs> take the nut. <laughs> he doesn't like squirrels, so he would not even I, I buy don't, it. I don't. Yeah, I would just yeah. shoot them with a pellet gun. <laughs> Great. So let's move to the navigating five. Um, what can you tell us about the navigating five? So the navigating five is the um, the one where uh, these contradiction between the instinctual bias and the strategy is most visible. And so they have these desire to kind of withdraw, detach, but then they want to connect or be part, participate in the group because of the navigating drive. So they have both. And what usually happens is that at times they are engaged with the group. They want to, they are part, they understand, they um, might be leading But then at other times you see them withdrawing and just almost isolated. And it's hard to understand because it's like on and off. But once you understand that it's a navigating five, you just get it. Do you though? (laughs) Well, sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Well, I, I think understanding any pattern of behavior makes it's more palatable, right? More, sure. uh, you you know, so even something that you might still find obnoxious, you know, at least you can say, okay, well, it's not personal. It's just 
how this person is. So uh, not to say that navigating fives are obnoxious. I, in fact, I, I think that of the fives, the, the three subtypes, this is the one that's most attuned to other people. And again, very often confused with nines. And uh, But there is this, they have an interest in the other that is greater than we see in the transmitting five or the the preserving five, right? With the preserving five, it's kind of, I, I want to understand you to the extent that you're useful to my safety and security and survival. Uh, to the transmitting five, it's I'm interested in you to the to the degree that I can either learn something from you or say something at you. Whereas with the navigating five, there there truly is a desire to understand other people in group dynamics. So it feels feels a bit warmer right? hmm. in, a, in a way, emotionally. feels like there's, there's a natural inner conflict about transmitting in general for a five. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly, you know, get to that when we talk about transmitting. But even something we see in the, in the navigating five, because transmitting is the zone of inner conflict, that inner conflict is heightened for the navigating five, right? Because again, there is this, there is this conflict with transmitting. Transmitting means putting myself out there. Now, it doesn't necessarily go against this idea of, of detachment because I can transmit in a very detached way, but it does expose me. Mm-hmm. And this is, the, this is the challenge for the five, right? It means that I have to put myself out there into the world, which does expose me, which puts me at risk in some way. Mm-hmm. So with the navigating five, because I have this, you know, sort of double conflict around transmitting, they can be most conflicted. It's also kind of, I find, because they're not, the, 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 the preserving domain is the zone of inner conflict, I'm sorry, is the zone of indifference. This is kind of the absent-minded five, right? Of, oh yeah, I forgot that. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot to pack my lunch or, or whatever it is because of this indifference to their needs, which is very different from the preserving five who's, you know, really focused on their needs. So, um, but it's, again, it's a, it's a softer sort of forgetfulness, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And th- there's also the um, inhibition of the navigating domain that it's present in the navigating five and it makes them feel a bit nine-ish because they might avoid conflict, for example. They don't want to assert their opinions as straightforward as maybe the other two, or because they don't they they are more aware and sensitive to the impact it's going to have. It doesn't mean that they want to avoid conflict altogether, or that they are don't have an opinion, or that they want to just make you comfortable. They don't want the messiness of the conflict. Yeah, and and that's the key distinction between a navigating five and a nine. The na- the the nine wants the other person to feel comfortable because by making the other person feel comfortable, it reduces the conflict we might have. Whereas with the navigating five, it's I don't want us to have conflict because I just don't feel like dealing with that. Right, I'm not concerned mm-hmm. about it. It's just ineffective, inefficient, and I, I don't, I don't want to get drawn into 
this messiness. Whereas a preserving five is much more likely to say, yeah, I hate that shirt. What were you thinking when you wore it, right? And, mm. you know, that sort of thing. Uh, again, not to be offensive, but because they just speak their minds without, you know, the kind of buffer that the navigating five or the inhibition that the navigating five will have. So like a navigate, navigating five could have more of an idea of the cost that it's going to incur on on getting into in a highly emotional situation, for yes. instance. Yeah. I, I think, for example, and, and I'd say my confidence in this assertion is about 70%, but I think Obama is a navigating five. Hmm. And, you know, a lot of people think he's a nine and, you know, could be. You know, again, I'd put that at 30%. But, but his, he had this, you know, when you read about what some people didn't like about Obama, was this intellectual arrogance. Okay. And, you know, and he would admit, I've seen interviews with him where, you know, the, the, the interviewer said, do you have a big ego? And he said, well, of course I do. Right. And I've never mm. heard a nine say that. Right. I can't imagine sure. a nine saying, <laughs> yeah, I got a big ego. I think I'm awesome. Right. Mm. Um, and at the same time, there was this awkwardness to him socially. Now, very charismatic on the stump. Right. I mean, he gets up there and that's when he would go into transmitting mode. Okay, but again, that's what we see in navigators, right? When they're on stage, they go into transmitting mode. But off of that, very awkward, right? Uh, struggled to connect with people. Uh, he would, you know, there's that great picture on the night that uh, uh, Osama bin Laden was killed, and they're in the Situation Room, and he's kind of curled up in the corner, right, watching things. You know, I mean, here he is, the president, and he's hmm. kind of disappearing into the crowd in a way. And there's a lot of shots like that with Obama and his more candid moments. Interesting. But, yeah, but again, you know, it's this, I always think of a chess player when I think of the navigating five. They see people as chess pieces on the board and they see themselves as kind of the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, pulling the strings and moving the pieces around as it should be. All right, so finally we have the transmitting five. Tell us about the transmitting five. What do we need to know? Uh, the transmitting five, uh, uh, Maria Jose, you said that you see the the conflict between the instinctual bias and the strategy, the most extreme in the navigating five. It's pretty extreme here. Yeah, but, So, it, but it's kind of one... A different kind, I a think. A different kind of conflict, yes. Yeah. yeah, because what we have here is somebody with a real need to transmit, and it's usually transmitting things I know, ideas I have. So this is kind of the person who likes to share information. We, we, we Somewhere in, in our work, we refer to this as kind of the information blizzard, right? I got all these things that need to be said, and they've got to come out. I had a client once who was a transmitting five, and people would say, well, if I'm going to go to his office, I have to write off half an hour. Because if I, you know, if I'm going to ask a simple question, I'm going to get 30 minutes of, you know, everything there is to know about this topic. And, and again, that's not all transmitting fives, but it is a tendency to, you know, hey, I'm really interested in these things. And I gather all this information and I want to share it with people. And, and it's detached transmitting. So many times they do not notice I don't want to say if they pay attention or not, but they do not notice the impact they're having on other people. If they're still listening or if they're interested at all in the topic or if they want to say something. Yeah. 
do they care if the other person is interested? I think they assume the other person is interested, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, again, it, it doesn't come from a a malignant place in some way. It comes from, again, what we have when we look at the pattern of expression is that the preserving domain is the zone of inner conflict. So transmitting fives love to talk about preserving stuff, even if they're not skilled at it, even if they don't see how much they talk about it, they talk about it a lot. Um, But the navigating domain is the zone of indifference. So they're just not great at reading social cues from others. Now, they can be very analytical. And when they train their sights on something in sort of an academic or very deliberate way, they can be very insightful about people. But when they're not purposefully doing it, they just aren't getting cues from people. Okay. Reminds me of uh, Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory, right? Of just, you know, I just have these things to say. I'm going to say them at you. And I just am not reading very well how other people are perceiving this, right? So there's always kind of this, you know, again, he's an extreme example. And I don't want to put all transmitting fives into that category. But mm-hmm. it's it's what the extreme of it can be. I just don't get why you're not fascinated by this same thing. I just don't get why you don't think about this and think it's as important as I do. I don't get why you're looking at me that way, right? Or what that look means. So that can be the Or like the Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah, great. I I mean, the the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, version of Sherlock Holmes is a great example of a transmitting five, right? It's just, and and another one that I really love is uh, House, the TV show House and Dr. Gregory House, which is based on Sherlock Holmes. There's this, yeah, I can, when I decide to pay attention, I'm really good at picking Mm -hmm. up cues, But otherwise, I just don't care because I am thinking about what I want to think about and what I think is important and what I want to get out into the world. I've seen that many, I mean, lots of transmitters of different types are good at uh, being perceptive about specific things in people. But it's when they're interested, when they pay attention deliberately. Otherwise, they miss the social cues. They miss the signals. Uh, of what's happening with people. And the the reason, I think, is that those two things can serve different needs, right? So the navigating is a general, ongoing observation of what's happening. When a transmitter is doing it, it's usually very circumstantial, and it's usually looking for an angle in, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to observe you, figure you out, so I know where to transmit or how to transmit to you. Mm. And, and with fives in general, it's I want to observe you so that I can model your behavior a bit, so that I can know how to interact. And when you see uh, Sheldon offering a tea to someone and it's like, oh, well, <laughs> if you're sad, that's what you do. You know, it's not right. like <laughs> it just came out like as a, <laughs> an idea I just had. This is what you do when somebody's sad. So it's, mm-hmm. that's extreme, but 
I think it has some truth in, in the way that fives deal with the world. Of course, not all transmitting fives are on the spectrum in that, uh, absolutely. In that way. Yeah, yeah. A- a- absolutely. Yeah. So uh, again, it's, it's an extreme sort of version mm-hmm. of that. Quick final question for transmitting five. What, what's, what's something that they often run into that is it an impedance to getting to where they're going? And how would you instruct? Yeah, what's, what's a way to get through that? The thing they really so what we see in transmitting fives is this tendency to be either either all the way on or all the way off, right? So they're either you know talking and you know transmitting, or they've just exited in place okay, where they're 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 there but they're not there. So learning to modulate that a little bit better, right, rather than switching back and forth from one to the other, but you know being conscious of the, the, the degree of transmitting they can do and sort of toning it down and being more receptive, right? Drawing things out of people and listening to them, okay? And not just using that drawing things out of people for an opportunity to talk mm. uh, about what's on their mind. So it really is taking interest. And again, I, I attribute this in almost all cases to a lack of skillfulness and not a lack of intention, Right, because yeah. in my experience, again, I, I find fives to be really, really sweet, Absolutely. caring people. They're just not always skillful at how they portray that and how they express that. Like so, the timing of it, yeah, the timing of it, and the um, and and again, the expression of it too. Right, I mean, it's it's because they just they really, really do care, but they don't take the time to show the interest in the other. Mm. in a way that expresses that they care. Yeah, and many times they don't know how to read what's happening, so they have a hard time responding appropriately mm. because they don't know what the problem is. Awesome. Well, that concludes our episode for the subtype of a five. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast.